Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So I want to put up this slide real quick. If you could help me out, if you could just think of one word that you would give, that you would say to describe God. So in your own words, just pick a word that you would describe God and put it up there. And I, I want to get an idea. And this mentee, you know, kind of a feedback that we have with one another, it's really helpful because it's not just feedback. It gives us an opportunity to connect, especially if you're home. But, you know, I, I would assume a lot of us would think of God loving and amazing and, wow, patient powerful. He's our creator. He's good. I mean, didn't we just sing that song, Lord, you are good? You know, and, uh, and all these things are great. But you know what's interesting? If you, and, and I expect that, right? We're in church. We, we, you know, striving to be men and women who love God, who follow, uh, follow God. So we're going to say these great things. But, you know, if we start listening to what the world tells us or Hollywood tells us, you may hear, even if someone believes in something, they may not say God. They might just say a higher power, right? They might even switch it and just say Mother Nature instead of God. Um, some people believe weird things, like God is just some alien out there doing some weird stuff, and he's God and kind of created everything. For others, God could be a thing. That speaker, that chair that you're sitting at could be God, you know? There's a, a recent ad, uh, an Apple ad, about Mother Nature, uh, you know, just, just being the one to control all the weather. And, and really, I say all that because whether we realize it or not, these messages are being, we're bombarded by these messages. I mean, and, and, and really, scholars believe, they call them liturgies in, in like certain church settings. And liturgies are basically things that you recite, that you hear over and over again. And then after a fact, the, the, the purpose of it is so that it can get embedded in you so that you're indoctrinated by it. And so the world indoctrinates us with their message. And so when we go ahead and go uh, to the book of Acts, you know, the title of my message today is Beyond the Hype. I was going to call it Don't Believe the Hype, but I was like, you know, let me, let me bring it down to earth a little bit. I, I, it brought me back to my hip-hop roots. But uh, but, you know, if you want it, you can, you can, you can uh, title it, Don't Believe the Hype, but Beyond the Hype. What happens after you look through the hype, finding truth in this world of deception? And we're going to start over here in uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through, uh, well, when Paul and his uh, companions had passed through Amphilius and uh, Apollonia, and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. You know, this is Paul's second missionary journey. So he went out, he started planting churches, and now he's going back to strengthen some churches. And led by the Holy Spirit, like he was, like his teammates were, 
they ended up not exactly where they were planning to go. You, you ever had a plan and you feel like God changes your plan? Say yes. Amen. You know, sometimes God does that. that that's, that's, I believe God loves to work that way. He just loves it. He put it like this. When you're a Christian, your life is never boring. If you're really following the Holy Spirit, if you're really following Jesus, you have no idea what's next. Many of us, you know, that moment we said, Jesus is Lord, we went into the water. We had no idea what we were signing up for. But the truth is, God will always take care of us, but he'll lead us in different ways. And sometimes we have this plan, but God has a greater plan, amen? And are we grateful for that? And so he goes and he gets to, you know, he goes uh, to Thessalonica, and as his custom, he goes to the synagogue. Now, real quick, let me just uh, give you this um, background story a little bit, because for a long time, I used to think that Paul went to preach uh, first to the Jews, and then when they rejected the message, he went to the Gentiles, but the Jews were always in the picture. Like, they were the people that had to hear the message. And so what, what really happened is Paul kept going to the Jews, and some Jews converted, but he was like, my message won't stop there. I'm going to keep going. So he would go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, he'll preach, and then he'll go into the marketplace where the people were, and he would start talking to the, the common folks, the Greeks, the the, the Gentiles of that area. And so they go there, they're proclaiming, they're preaching, and we'll keep reading here in verse 5. It says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started to a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and all the others post bond and let them go. You know, when you're blessed, when you're doing God's will, some people really appreciate it. And then there would be those haters, those people who were jealous. These Jews, they were not happy. You would have thought, okay, wait a minute. They're doing something good. They knew, but they, people responded to their message and they got jealous. You ever been around someone that you know is jealous? Or better yet, how many of us have struggled with jealousy? When someone else has been blessed, something is like God is working in their life. And deep in that, you want to be happy, but you're like, man, why not me, God? Man, I wanted that promotion. Man, I wanted that man, that woman, that relationship. Why, why is their kids so much smarter or nicer than mine? And we might not say it out loud. Or you got, you got your home, you're happy, and then all of a sudden, that's why they call it keeping up with the Joneses. You go to your neighbor's house, and it's nicer, bigger. They got the, the, the deluxe model, and you're like, oh, why didn't I get that one? Or the same thing with a car, right? Same thing with anything. It's just like, man, we struggle with jealousy. And, and that's what the world wants. That's one of those liturgies. That's what the, the, the world's always telling us you need bigger and better. I don't know if you noticed that, right? You ever had the best of the best, and then it's not anymore. I mean, man, I thought I did good when I bought my wife's diamond ring. 
until other women started showing their ring. And you needed a magnifying glass to see the one that I gave her. And I upgraded, but you know, now there's lab-grown diamonds. So somebody who couldn't get a three, four, five-carat ring now is like bling, bling. And it's like, man, but you never know. And I think we always got to be careful not to give in to that jealousy. And here, these Jews, they, they started twisting the words around. They started talking about, I mean, think about it. They cared less about the Roman leaders and what the, 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 the disciples were doing. But instead, they, they acted like they cared. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, look, they're preaching about another king. They don't follow Caesar. And they went in there. And it says that they gathered some bad characters. You know what bad characters look like? What, what do bad characters look like to you? I mean, you know, in, in the movies or in the Marvel, DC world, they, they're always bad. And they even talk bad. Like, you got to, in order to be a bad character in the world, you have to have that evil talk. <laughs> I'm going to conquer the world. You know, like, you, you're going to destroy humanity. But bad characters don't always look like that. They could look like our friends. They could look like those neighbors that smile. And let me tell you, coming from the, more, or the north, moving to the everyone smiles. Everyone's happy. And, and, and so I've been warned. Look, some people, they may not be your friend. They'll just act really nice. So be careful. And so bad characters came. You know, now, for a minute, I want you to think about what it must have been like for someone like Jason. Jason was just open to the gospel, welcomes these other brothers, and now he has to pay the price. You had a, ever had to pay the price because of someone else's mistake? Say yes. All right. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we pay the price. It's like, man, why, why do I have to go through that? I've been a Christian long enough that I've had some persecution. And you know what? I don't think I mind persecution so much. It's not like I ask God for it. I don't pray for it. God, please give me persecution. But what I do hate is when, when I have to, like, clean up someone else's mess or when I have to defend what Christianity is because someone does something really stupid. From where I sit as a pastor, when, when someone just really blows it and lives this hypocritical lie and they were living a double life and people that are not Christians, that they know I'm a Christian, they know I'm a pastor, they're like, you see, that's why I don't go to church. And I'm like, why? Why? And so oftentimes we got to clean up someone else's mess. Now, in this case, it wasn't their fault, but nevertheless, Jason was the one to pay the price. He went to jail, and it probably was expensive. He had a, a post-bail. So, I mean, that was expensive in itself. Let's keep reading here. Acts chapter 17. You guys with me? So in Acts 17, in verse 10, it says, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to, a Jewish, to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word, at, uh, word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and staring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast. 
But Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Now, for those of us who've been around, you're familiar with the Berean and who they were in the Berean church. I mean, let's be honest. Many of us didn't even know who Bereans were or that there was a place called Berea until we study the Bible, right? Someone studied it. And then now we act like we're, we're, oh, yeah, the Bereans. Yeah, I know who they are. It's like, what? I mean, many of us couldn't even pronounce the, but, but, the what? But anyway, these were like some really good dudes. They were some great people. They, they were just eager. And you know what? It was so amazing because they did not just take the disciples' words. And so we, if you don't know this, we have this thing. We call it the Berean Challenge. We study the Bible, and we expect people to go back and study it for themselves. Why? Because I could be wrong. You could be wrong. Anybody could be wrong, but the word is always going to be right. And so you want to make sure. I mean, this is important stuff, right? You're, you're putting your life, your soul, you're, you're making some major, you know, big boy decisions. You better know what you're getting into. So, so the Bereans were really smart about this. They wanted to read the fine print. They wanted to make sure that what Paul was saying, because he was talking about the resurrection of the dead and Jesus being the Messiah, and they're like putting two and two together, and they're going back to the to the, the Isaiah the prophet, they're making sure that if it lines up, and man, they just had that heart that they wanted to please God. And that's awesome, and that's great, and that's the way we should all be. We should not just take someone's word for it. Amen, church? And so they go and they do this, and, and here, if you look, uh, there's a map here, a little bit of what their travel was like. So they start in Thessalonica, and not too far, they go down to Berea, but Look where Paul ends up when things get difficult. They try to protect Paul, and the brothers are looking out for him, and they take him to Athens. That's way down there. I mean, they were like, we're going to send you to the boonies. And, and the reason why Athens was the boonies in a lot of ways, it was, it was, it's a lot like Athens here in Georgia. You know the Athens in Georgia where you... Uh, uh, would you, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. That they, they named that area after Athens, Greece, because Athens had lost its political structure and power. But that's where the university was, and that's where people studied. So all of a sudden, people would go all the way down there, kind of like people do here, and they go to, to be able to study and be a bulldog. And so... That's what they did. And so what happened is they get down to Athens, kind of a place where they'll think, nobody's going to look for Paul there. No one's going to find him. As a matter of fact, people in Athens, and we're going to read it in a moment, all they did, well, well, let's read it, and I'll show you what happens. Acts 17, verse 16. It says, when Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as all as the, uh, in the marketplace day by day with those who had happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. When they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Aragapus, uh, um, where they said to him, may we know 
what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the greatest, latest ideas. They were on TikTok all day. That's all they did. I mean, literally, they were just chilling, hanging out, talking about the latest ideas. And, and, and they felt, you know, these were intellectuals. These were the educated. And so they, they talked about these ideas. And, you know, when someone is educated and they talk about something, they they're sound knowledgeable. They'll use vernacular that the common man doesn't say, doesn't speak. And, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll just eloquent words and they start talking about these things. And all of a sudden, they feel like they know more than anybody else. Doesn't that sound like our culture now? Like everybody knows. You just Google it and you know it. You're an expert now. We know. And so we live in an information age. For them, that was the information age. And so they got all these ideas together. And so what happened was Paul got there and he realized that they had all these idols, all these gods. And they had broken it up. I mean, literally, they had like their 12 main gods on Mount Olympian. And then their gods, siblings, and, bro- and they had gods for everything. I mean, every single thing. They explained it away. They, they had a... a how do you call it, uh, altars, they would worship these gods, they would live a certain life. I mean, they felt like life was good. And as long as they did good, they were more and more, they were blessed, they, they lived it up. Doesn't that sound like the philosophy of today? That if you're ble- God must be with you if you're doing good. Like, it's almost like we want this magical potion, we want the, the, the remedy, we want to know how, how can I live right so that God will bless me. Because if, you, if God's not blessing you, then you must be doing something wrong. But if there's prosperity, then God must be with you. What are you doing? Hey, brother, you're doing good. What's the secret? Wow. How's that working out for you? Look at you. I want that. And you want the secret. And sometimes we can let that permeate into the church and we feel like, is there a special prayer that we need to do? Or is there a special formula? If we read our Bibles just this much time or if we come around enough. And guess what happens? Some of us do that and life doesn't always get better. It didn't for Jason. It didn't for Paul. It didn't for Simon. So, so what makes us think that all of a sudden if we do, it's all going to come and work out for us. You know, when I first uh, studied the Bible, I had uh, relatives that were in in a church. They weren't, they weren't the same church. They were just, they were in the South. And you guys know, I mean, things have changed a lot in the South, but about 30 years ago, like everyone in the South went to church. I mean, that's changing. But there's still like everybody in the South is still kind of nice and still tries to be a little better, a little bit more spiritual than the rest of the world. They might not be living it, but they know how to speak it. And they know how to be nice because, you know, they want those blessings. And I remember when they shared with me, they had a certain kind of Christianity where nothing was hard. And and I remember because it was hard for me. I studied the Bible and the brothers were challenging me. And I knew there were things in my life that I needed to change. And I was like, wait a minute, like, 
why is their Christianity different than my Christianity? Man, maybe I'm in the wrong place because I want what they have. But the more I look through, I realize that's not real. As a matter of fact, when Paul preaches to the church in Galatia, he says that they have a form of godliness but denies power. Like, like you want God, but you don't want to change. That's not true Christianity. And see, what Paul was preaching and why it was so controversial is because it caused people to feel uncomfortable. You with me? There's this, um, this replica in Nashville, if you've ever been to it. It's about three and a half hours from here. And this is the goddess Athena. And in her hand, she's holding the Nike goddess, not the sneaker, the goddess Nike. And I, I, I kid you not, if you ever get an opportunity to go and see it, it's pretty remarkable. Because prior to me seeing this or experiencing this, this replica, I never understood how a person, maybe maybe because they were so primitive, in my mind, it's like, how can they worship idols? But this replica, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we're like this small. It's about 45 feet high. It's gold. It's beautiful. Like, honestly, it's like, wow. It's amazing. And so... It makes sense why people would worship. And you know what? We're not that different today. Maybe we're not worshiping those kind of idols, but they're still shiny and we're in awe and they're amazing. And and we're like, wow, I wish I had that. And so I want to ask you really quickly, what are some of the idols in our culture that you worship today? Go. Amen. Money. That's the first one. Money, money. Fame, money. I'm going to give you a Beyonce. The beehive. All right. Check this out. I thought it was money. It's in there. But that's not the top one. Let me see if anyone gets the top one. So a group did a survey a thousand pastors, right? Protestant pastors, they called a bunch of, you know, pastors, a thousand of them, and they asked them in their churches, in, in, in their uh, places of worship where they lead, what is the greatest threat, the biggest idol? And if you put the next slide, it was comfort. Comfort, by far, money was third. Comfort was the number one idol. Now, let's get real for a minute. Like, we have to be in denial if we don't think that that creeps into our lives. We love comfort. I mean, everything is comfort. Look, the other day, I had to go help my daughter to move. She moved down here with us. Hey, Lillian. Everybody say, hey, Lillian. <laughs> she moved from Philly, and let me, let me be honest, I'm being a good dad, but moving is expensive. And we had to get the U-Haul. So my wife and I flew, and because it was so cheap, we went Frontier Air. (laughs) Frontier Air does not recline. Frontier Air is Walmart of the sky. I mean, it's, (laughs) it was not comfort. Now, now let me just tell you, I got pictures. My brother, 
he does pretty well. He loves flying first class, and I just took a trip with him. Literally, this time last year, I was flying to Mexico first class. Man, that was fun. That was nice. I mean, man, they, they were feeding us, giving us, but our, we reclined. It was comfortable. It was nice. Frontier, ooh. I'm so grateful that it was a short flight. But, man, it was, I mean, first of all, I don't know how people fit in those seats. I mean, we were cramped up. We could barely move. My, I'm not even a tall guy, and my knees were touching the other chair. On the other seat, I'm like, man, what? And you think they'll give you snacks? Nope. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was rough. It was rough. So, Lillian, we love you. We, we roughed it <laughs> just to get to you and help you. And then, to make matters worse, I drove the U-Haul down, and U-Haul's not comfortable. So I'm like, man, I wasn't comfortable in the, uncomfortable in the plane, came back. Listen, I got home, and I had to get in my comfortable bed. Because let's be honest, like, we don't like to suffer. Like, give me comfort. We go to fast food, it better be fast. You know, we get something, it better be good. You know, we, we, it has to be. Let me tell you, the worst thing, our internet better not be slow. Ooh. If our internet gets slow... What's up with this thing? And so we want comfort. Why? And look at the second thing. We want to control our own security. We want to play God so many times. And so that's the world that we live in. Now check this out. This, uh, this woman, she, uh, she's a, a, a minister and she says this. Beth Moore says, we're going to have to let truth scream louder to our souls than the lies that have infected us. Let that sink in for a minute. Like, the reason we need to be in the Word, the reason we come to church, the reason we connect, the reason we pray together, the reason why we're in each other's lives is because the world and its liturgies and the world and its messages, the world and its indoctrination speaks loud into our souls. And we believe that hype. And let me tell you, if you don't think you do and you're immune, you have a surprise coming. You remember folks that thought that COVID wasn't real and then they got sick? Like, I mean, it will catch up to you. Like, it's contagious. The world, that's real. Like, it just is. Like, everything. Let me tell you, if you're in love, you know what you have to do to show that woman of your dreams that you love her? You better be ready to spend money. You better be ready to give her that dream wedding. You better be ready to, to give her everything. And I'm like, dude, that's hard. Because the world tells us that if you really care. A friend of mine lost his mom. So sad. And he goes to the funeral. And they're planning the funeral, you know, to the funeral home. And the funeral director takes him around, and he's like, what coffin do you want? And he picked the basic coffin. And they're like, no, no, no. That's your mama. You got to give her the best. Dude, woman ain't no, she's no longer around. But they made him feel bad. Like, how can you give your mom the cheapest coffin? Like, you got to get her the one with the lifetime warranty. <laughs> right? 
you, you got to get her the best. Like, what, what, what are people going to think if they come and they see your mom in this little wooden box? You got to get the nice glossy one with the, with the bling bling, right? Shiny coffin. But that is in our hearts. You know, Paul was in Athens. I just got a few minutes here as I, and he, because he was led by the Spirit, ended up going to lead that church. He started, I mean, he just, he did what a disciple does. And you know what? It says that he was distressed. Like, he, he wasn't okay. Like, when he went out there and he saw the condition of everything, he didn't see how educated they were, how nice the city was. It says he was distressed because he saw how many idols they had. And so it says that he saw an uh, altar that was there for an unknown God. Unknown. And, and being who he was, he had to speak about Jesus. He's like, let me tell you about this unknown God. You realize we live in a world where people don't know God. They don't know the same God we have. They, they haven't experienced what we experienced. They don't know what it is to be single and have pure relationships. They don't know what it is be, to be married and actually apologize to one another and really mean it. They don't know what it's like to have real friendships where you're not just putting up an act, but you actually like each other and love each other. Their people don't know what that is. And so you guys know that Ed and, and Jazz and some other brothers and sisters Somehow, some way, some reason, God put it on their hearts to plant a church in Sandy Springs. And, you know, they're, they're, if you know Ed, he's a, he's a brain, so he's done the research. So they found out that Sandy Springs is not just nice and wealthy. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. And so, so their hearts have felt distressed. And so they're like, man, we, we got to do something. We need to go and plant a church. And then the leadership here, Angel, Mike, Paul, the elders, all of us are like, man, we, we support it. Let, let's go for it. Let's do it. Why not? And why? Because, look, Paul wasn't even meaning to, but he ended up somewhere else, and he saw the condition. That's, that's the heart of someone that wants to spread God's word. And so these guys just have a passion, and they want to spread. But, you know, some of us... Maybe we don't know what that means. And maybe we're like, why, why are we planting a church? Why, why can't people just come here to the path? And so real quick, if you do me a favor here as we start wrapping it up, is how do you feel about the upcoming Sandy Springs church plan? How do you feel? And here are your options. You're excited. You might be nervous because you might feel like, man, what's that going to mean for me? I know it's going to stretch my faith. Or maybe... You just have some questions, and that's fine. That's good. All right, maybe you haven't even heard of the church plan. You don't even know what that is. That's okay. So just, but this helps us to see where you're at. So it's exciting. That's great, but you have questions. And more and more, we're going to be having these conversations. And if you do me a favor, the next slide. If you're thinking about going on this church plan, I want you to scan the QR code. Now, let me tell you what it is and what it's not, all right? If you scan this QR code, it doesn't mean you sign up automatically, all right, just so you know, all right? It doesn't even mean you've decided yet. It just means that you want to attend next week after church. There's going to be an information session, 
There's going to be a gathering for all those that may be interested. And so if you're, A, looking for a challenge, B, you feel called, you, you, you're just curious, you're, you're feeling like, man, you have your relationship, they're talking about going, whatever it is, that, that's the time. You want to go to this information session. And you want to ask the questions, you want to hear the presentation, you want to buy into the vision because there's a vision there. And it's a vision that I believe that God has put on their hearts. Amen? Amen. And it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to, to serve. It's an opportunity to do more. But you know what's really interesting? The opportunity is not only for those who go. Because if you decide not to go, there's an opportunity for you too. Because guess what? Some of the people that are probably going to go are going to leave some, some gaps in this church. They're going to leave some holes, and somebody has to fill them. And so you're, you might feel like, man, I'm not going to go. I'll support it. I'll pray. I'll, I'll contribute. I'll do whatever I need to do. I might even go to their inaugural service. But I'm going to stay here because I got to serve here. Amen? And so it's an opportunity for everyone. It's an opportunity for everyone to grow. Amen? And so as we uh, close out, I want you to think about what does this mean for you? What opportunity? As you think about the world, as you think about this, because I know for me, I had an opportunity to plant a church, and it was one of the most amazing and most challenging things that I've ever done. And I've been a disciple for 30 plus years. But when I said, man, let's go for it, it, it got real, real quick. I mean, it got real. Let me tell you the honest truth. That there were some Sundays I'm like, is anyone coming? And are people even going to accept us? We started, we went to a place that was so unchurched that the LGBTQ community started picketing so that we won't meet at that school. And you know what's crazy? There's a guy from the LGBTQ plus community who came to our defense. I mean, that's how crazy God, like when God opens those doors, there's nothing you can do. And so we don't know. There are going to be obstacles. There will be challenges. There will be things that we cannot even imagine. But guess what? They're all opportunities in the eyes of God. And so, Ed, stand up for a minute, brother. Ed is getting ready to embark on an adventure. He feels led to lead it. And we want to support you, brother. We, we love you, man. We appreciate the faith. And let me tell you. It is not for those that want to be comfortable. Because it's a lot easier just coming and hanging out and let someone else do it. But man, this is time for us. And you know what I believe it does? And we're going to close out right here. What this does for us, it gives us an opportunity. You saw how the idol, the greatest threat is comfort. It gives us an opportunity to have a counter liturgy. To, oppose, to say with our lives, no, I'm not giving in to that. Because that's the God that people are worshiping. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to sacrifice my comfort, my easy life, just coming here on Sunday sometimes. So that others can hear the word of God. And then for those who are not yet a part of this, we want to invite you. This is the last thing here on December 3rd. We're going to close out. We're going to have a baptism Sunday. And you might say, well, Marcos, what's a baptism Sunday? Like, isn't every Sunday baptism? Well, yeah, but this is what we need. We need everyone, hands on deck, helping someone who's not yet baptized to get to that water. And so 
what we want to do is we want to start preparing you folks who are not ready yet or they start walking through the door to be ready for that baptism Sunday on December the 3rd. And if you could put that slide, it should, it should be up there. Uh, but if not, we'll, we'll get it up there for you. But if you want to get baptized on December 3rd so you can start the new year right or before then, we would love, love to get with you. Let's go ahead and go to God in prayer and let's not believe the hype. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much, Father, for the way that you work in the book of Acts, God, and you can work in our lives just as much, God. Father, as Paul was persecuted, as he and Silas and the other disciples were just trying to do what's right, and all of a sudden, there were those who were jealous, those who disliked them, those who felt threatened. And God, this world is not going to like us when we stand up for what's right. This world is going to be uncomfortable because we're saying no to comfort. Not that there are times where we can't relax and rest, God, but overall, we cannot worship comfort. We want to worship you. And so, God, be with us in a special way, especially right now, God, as we get ready to take communion. God, help us to understand what that means, God, that we truly do believe in the resurrection, that Jesus had to give up his life so that we could have life. And now he's just asking us to do the same, God, to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Father, we love you. And we thank you. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take communion, just reflect on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.